0: Welcome to Newsworthy with Norrisworthy. Get ready for some awesome. All right, friends, before we get to Carl Lentz talking about uh, his new book, Own the Moment, let me remind you we've got a mailbag podcast coming up soon. So if you want to contribute, you want to throw a question in there, uh, luke at lukenorsworthy.com or you can uh, hit me up on the Facebook or wherever. Your fine social media stuff is done. Uh, Send me a question. You can get on. Who knows? If you send a voice memo, it might actually be your own audio. All right. So mailbag podcast coming up soon. And um, here we go. Carl Lentz. Okay. uh, You can move that around however you want. How this works. Um, All right, friends. Welcome back to the show. Today we are in New York City with our friend Carl Lentz. Welcome, Welcome Carl. The Mecca.
1: The Mecca. Madison Square Garden.
0: And you've got a beautiful thing going on in your eye right now, which I assume there's
1: a story behind that. Literally yesterday, I made a move playing basketball, and this guy headbutted me so bad where it looks, unfortunately, you guys on the podcast can't see this, but you can hear the pain. It looks bad. Yeah, it was bad. Like, I I rarely get, like, I think I was, like, knocked out for a little bit. Really? I might be in a concussion nfl protocol right are now, you but. do you think you could be clear to do this podcast i think it's going to be better you know
0: i uh so i went to college in texas and uh, what's cool abilene christian university okay abilene. and uh so we had an intramural rhodium and i rode a bareback bronco one time and uh for like three seconds and then i don't remember the rest of the night the next morning i woke up on my mom's couch and i've been throwing up all night yeah and, and uh it's a yeah, and so yeah. I had a reporter who went out with me to my little country church as a college kid, and had yeah. were you like a big time rodeo guy? No, 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 no. Okay. Like I no, but it was an intramural rodeo, and it was the only event that I recognized. Right. And so I thought I'm a senior, I need to do this. <laughs> um, but so I had a reporter go out, follow me after like I don't remember anything like two days before. So. I've been there. Like this could be good, not for you, but for me. Like this could be a fun for us.
1: Yeah, yeah. This could be. This could be awesome.
0: Can I be honest? Uh, I've had a few people on the show who've like met cool people, like the Pope or been in the Oval Office. But I've never been like a fanboy as much as I am right now because you were on Bill Simmons' podcasts. You first of all, you had the Pope on here. No, I had a friend who had just met the Pope, who had been okay. out to the Vatican. About to say the Pope. Pope. I don't that, know if he a... does a lot of podcasts. I think he, he probably would.
1: Yeah, Bill Simmons was probably one of the coolest things I've done ever. Yeah. Because I'm a huge fan. Grew up, I've grown up reading his column all the way back to the sports guy, whatever that was that he did, and, and followed him all the way through. So to sit there with him like we are now was surreal for sure.
0: Yeah. I, I'm i not even a basketball fan. Yeah. Uh, but I listen to him talk about basketball. I'm just a – like, I – in some ways, pattern my podcast off that one. You,
1: you so have that vibe, which is he's, really cool. He,
0: I take that as a huge yeah, compliment. For sure. So that was pretty amazing.
1: Yeah, he, he's a really cool guy. He's smart, Um not you know affiliated with Jesus, I would say, mm-hmm. yet. But such an open guy, where I think he, you know, he, he's just a, he's interested in people. He's sensitive, smart, um, and so he. We love the same things, so yeah. we, we talk for. Two hours, like, and I just I would have stayed there all day. My usual, like, protocol for life is
0: I listen to podcasts on the way home from work, not in the morning. Yeah, Uh, but I actually saw. I was like, dude, Carl's on this. It just showed up on my phone. I'm like, I'm going to listen to this first thing in the morning while I worked out. So I mean, I, I can't express to you how much I was jealous and impressed and happy for, and you
1: did good on it too. I mean, well done. I mean, it's hard if you don't if you don't, I guess, know your role. In those settings, then, you know, you're going to struggle. But he's easy to talk to, and I know, I know why I'm there. Yeah. Give some cool stories and just be an anomaly to him. Yeah. So to have a pastor on his show was, for him, like... Yeah, you know, just so so atypical. So is easy? And,
0: and I'm glad you did that because I mean, there needs to be pastors who can yeah.
1: do the BS you need, report. And, you need to get on there next.
0: Well, <laughs> I don't know about that. You have a, a part in your book on the moment that you reference body language. Yeah. And as a Bill Simmons fan, I know he is the body language doctor. Are yep. you a fan? Uh, are you like influenced by his
1: body language interpretive skills? I feel like I mean, I I, I feel like I'm. I, if he's a doctor, maybe maybe I, I run the hospital. Okay. works at because i feel like we as christians would even know you know a different a different look on uh body language but yeah i feel like it's my number one strength i'll go to a game and try to read like i'll never look at the guy scoring I'll always look at the guys around him and seriously I could, yeah i could pick up so much like whether it was a play that was supposed to work or whether the team likes each other you can you can see it all off the ball
0: really mm-hmm. okay so i grew up playing my two best sports were wrestling and track and so i played individual sport i played football too but it wasn't my best sport and so like there's no team in like you're you're on the mat
1: by yourself wrestling
0: track like you're by basketball yeah i mean it's it's everyone's out
1: there yeah but in church you can even see it in church i mean body language gives away a lot and sometimes it's not always hard and fast rule but you know what it's like to preach or even to see people worship and you know people's countenance is sometimes revealed in their in their stance and in the way they sit and the way they look at you when you preach yeah so it's not just a hard, it's not just sports i think it's it carries over so do you find yourself reading
0: people while you're preaching like y- yeah. if you see one person in the venue like you're
1: your body body language doctoring them in the moment i think i'm reading it i think i'm reading it all and it's not something that will dictate what i do but sometimes i can I always tell younger preachers, even on our own, our own team, never gauge your, your message by the feedback, yeah. either real time or even after, because sometimes the best messages you preach will give you the worst feedback. Yeah. But don't buy that wholesale either. Sometimes, yeah, you can definitely see if something's resonating, but I will see somebody in the front row, arms folded, you know, nasty look on their face, and I will gauge, sometimes direct something towards, I wonder yeah. if, because he's new, I might throw something in there about you know, what it's like to be new in a weird place and how much we love people who are new and, yeah. and just just gauging, you know, and, you know, what, what people are um, resonating with is a big deal.
0: How many services
1: do you do a weekend? Six. Six? Yeah. How similar are each sermon? Uh, all different. I think I got the same message, uh, but they've never come out the same. Are you serious? Yeah. Like, yeah. percentage-wise, if I'm going to, like, game tape, like... 80, 80%? Yep. So the sh- the shell would be the same, maybe. Mm-hmm. But um, sometimes got to lead you in a direction that you didn't go in the other service, or you'll hang on a point mm-hmm. that you didn't hang on before. Oftentimes I'll add stuff, maybe subtract. Like this past weekend I preached. I think I did the intro different every service, just flow-wise. Hmm. I'm like, oh, I wonder if I could you know, put this here. I-, I preached the first one. It was like 45 minutes too long. Uh, and the second time I did it, it was like 37. And then the fourth time it was... You know, whatever. So it's it's different depending on vibe.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And just for the record, sometimes God can lead you to do the sermon exactly the same all, like, hypothetically, if you do three sermons a Sunday. Word for word. And they sound the same. Hypothetically, some people are led by the Spirit to do that, just in case any of my church members are listening, because mine are pretty much all the
1: same. I would say that that's a a really diligent preacher, because a lot of times, I think mine would be exactly the same. Hmm. But there are those times where yeah. there's that. But when I say 80%, I mean it. Like no, I, almost verbatim. And then there'll be this little part that I added that's yeah. different. Yeah. No, I mean, I I, I don't think one's right way or one's, yeah. one's wrong way. Not at all.
0: But uh, six, that's pretty exhausting, I would imagine.
1: It is, yeah. Mondays are pretty rough for you? Super rough. I, I don't do all six anymore. I used to, um, I think we were doing eight services at one time. But <laughs> it was like. So draining and, and on you emotionally that my biggest job as a pastor is to be a faithful husband and a dad that's present, yeah, way more important than what I do on Sunday, so I was finding that sundays was was it, it was taking me till Wednesday or Thursday to recover, and that 's not a functional way to live no. or, or sustainable, so I kind of curtailed it as our church has grown, our team has grown, but yeah, now I'm at two or three
0: what What was the last thing? You said no to, that would have been a good pastor thing to do, but it'd be a bad move for you as a dad to do. Almost everything.
1: I mean, everything we'd say no to matters. So for me, I'll leave here after we're done, and I'll go pick up uh, Roman from school, just because that's our thing. And there's a million things that I could be doing that matter.
0: But picking up from school? Yeah. How, he, how often do you get to do that?
1: Uh, that's the thing. So Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Okay. I'm trying to do that if I'm in town. Do you do you take a day off during the week? Mondays. Okay, you're just not available. Mondays. I'm playing Call of Duty 2K. Uh <laughs> Your watching. You're a video game guy. Yeah, it, huh? watching every sports telecast I can, um, all the sports talk, and uh, just taking it easy. Okay, good on you. And then I play ball on uh, at 4:30 every Monday. How how many days a week do you play? If I ideally three or four. And you, you're 38. 39. 39. I'm 36. Yeah uh i don't think i could do three or four it, it's definitely getting a little bit more taxing but i feel like i'm in better shape now and i'm a better basketball player so really it's like now it's a little bit more maintenance like i'd have to stretch <laughs> take care of my body like get i never road. cared about that before no um like this eye thing will throw me off for a day or two but i'm definitely gonna give it a shot today just out of like the, the warrior in me just yeah you're to gonna show. get to
0: Kyrie. Face mask. I think that would be a nice touch. <sighs> I mean,
1: I got these giant glasses. I should just rock these. Yeah, I feel like if you had those on, that wouldn't have happened. Ah, it wouldn't have. It's funny because I did a move that normally, you know, it's just too good, it's too fast. And this guy, who's probably 22, literally face head butted me and knocked me off my feet, bleeding straight over to the emergency place. Got stitches. Ah. But, nice. I'm, but I'm here, fourth quarter. I appreciate
0: that. You know, you're, yeah. you're sucking it up and doing That's it That's right. an honor
1: to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, right. Okay, so your story, you go to uh, NC State? Yeah. Okay, for a year or two? Year and a half. Okay, and then go to LA, and you're yeah. an evangelist doorkeeper at uh, Gucci. Gucci, yeah. yeah. And then you make your way, you're called a ministry, mm-hmm. somewhere in there. And you decide you're going to go down to Australia to Hillsong yeah. College. Leadership right. College, yeah. What made you
1: choose... Hillsong. A bunch of things. But the main thing was I had made a decision that I was probably going to be a Christian and just tolerate church because I just felt like that's the way it was. Like, I Mm -hmm. I get it. Church is important. It's boring. The music's terrible. Uh, It is what it is. I had resigned my spirit to think that's what it was going to be. And uh, I found Hillsong and I walked in and I thought, this is weird. Like, the music's good. These people look like me. The teaching is relatable. It seems like everybody wants to be here. And then the light bulb started going off that maybe church doesn't mm. have to be horrible. Maybe it doesn't have to be a place that you run from. And I just I, I, I planted myself in that soil. Where What Hillsong service did you go to first? I went to Hillsong Conference in 1999. And that was my first real introduction to what church could be for me. So, conference is down in Sydney? Sydney, yeah. Okay. I got saved and... The church I was at was totally different. Um, it had some cool elements, but it wasn't, you know, kind of what what we're doing now. And yeah, I went to conference and I just was like, "Whoa, this is out there." And that was and that was it. Went back to LA and then took some months to sit on it, explore some other things. And I was like, "No, nah, I think that place is where I want to be." So you go down there. How long are you there? <sighs> Four and a half. Okay, so that's Bible College. Bible College, and I stayed for a year, worked there. Okay, for Brian, who's the, the pastor there?
0: Okay, so when you're down there. Did you ever think about like doing seminary?
1: Well, we would consider that to be seminary. Okay. So I'd never, never considered that I wanted to do anything more. I thought that was, yeah. so we try to combine ministry training with application. Yeah. And so I, that was to me the equivalent.
0: Yeah. Do you sense there's tension between like traditional seminaries and like the Hillsong uh, college? Do, do you
1: like feel like ours per se or the schools like it?
0: School's like, not like, I don't, nothing Hillsong specific, but it seems like there's tension between. Do you go to
1: seminary or a Bible college? Um, I don't know, probably, because in Christians, there's tension about stupid things all the time. If you want to go to seminary, go. If you want to go to a Bible college, go. I think they offer different things. Yeah. Um, I think doing pastoral work. I think seminary is something to me that you can, I think the the gain, the, 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 the knowledge gain, the wisdom gain, theological depth is a lifetime pursuit. Mm -hmm. So for me, I think I like the Bible college option because I'm learning tools for the ground right away, and I get to use it. That's why I think Hillsong College is such a great viable option for many. And you're learning from seminary, you go to maybe do a preaching class from a dude who doesn't preach. Yep. Bible college, you're going to hear from a preacher. Yeah. That absolutely matters. So I don't don't know enough about what seminary offers right now um, in America to speak on it, other than... I love what I did.
0: Yeah. So I, I'm someone who, who went to seminary, and I fully agree with your statement. Okay. I don't think—I'm saying to someone with an MDiv that the academy can teach you to do ministry in the way the church can teach you. It can teach yeah. you history and theology. and teach you Greek and Hebrew uh, in the way that the church probably won't be able to that easily. Sure. But the church can teach you how to do ministry in a yeah. way that you can't, you can't—
1: I feel like seminaries and Bible colleges should be able to split the difference. So I think if I had to err on the two— Let's just say seminary is great on the the MDiv side, yeah. But lacks the practical application. Yep. If Bible college lacks the MDiv side but is heavy, I'm erring on the church help people blood, sweat, and tears. Yeah, I can learn. Yep. The books. Mm-hmm. I can't necessarily learn the people thing, and I feel like that's a huge problem in our country right now that concerns me. That mm-hmm. I'm interested in, you know, helping people see quicker because yeah. people are really into knowing a lot huh. but I think the essence of our faith is that the, the more you know Jesus the less you think you know the more open mm. you are but learning how to help people and pastor and shepherd and protect and challenge that stuff that's not coming from a book Yeah, that's, how, that's how coming do you from see people, in the ring yeah how do you see people like wanting to know
0: about or know, know a lot but they don't I forget what the language you just used was how do you see that like
1: in your church or the people you interact with uh, um Maybe, maybe it's not my church, maybe it's a younger generation that's like, they're stepping over people to learn principles and learn knowledge. Mm-hmm. And when you're going you know, the whole point of getting knowledge and getting principle and getting theology is to help people. So for me, it, it, how I would see it in my, in my church, like how do I outwork I, I mm-hmm. that? Um, I feel like connecting with people being there for them, shepherding them, caring, sets the table for what I know. Mm-hmm. I don't think it works the other way around. Yeah. So if we're spending all of our time proving how many degrees we have, how deep our theology is, and we get around to care, we're missing people.
0: Yeah. All good theology leads you to love the people in front of you. Should. And it seems like that's a big part of your ministry. Or
1: a love for people should create a desire to know more theology.
0: Oh, uh, yeah. That's there what you I go. like. Yeah. I see what you did there. I yeah. like that. A bit of a flip. Yeah, that's good. Uh, um, Okay, so my favorite line in your book is when you were deciding if you're going to be a pastor or not. And you said, if it means having to get the same haircut as every Alabama fan, I'm out. Yeah, (laughs) Which I I really appreciate that. Um, Everybody did except for the
1: Roll Tiders.
0: Yeah, which I I don't know if you've gotten any of those uh, Twitter responses, but I feel like they would understand like, yeah, it is kind of all. Yeah,
1: most most of them are cool. Like Alabama, they're the best— college athletic football program hands down love them Mm. but you look in the stands they're carbon copies of each other and they all think they're the coolest dudes in the world too yeah the other guys making fun of me on twitter look at Carl's clothes it's like dude are you for real like do you have a mirror um but that's what i thought (laughs) you know christianity was like like i'm like do we all have to look the same be the same and uh, I just, I, I gambled that that wasn't the case, and it, and it isn't.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's true. I like the story about uh, some kid uh, feeling like he's got to take his hat off in church or to pray or yeah. something like that. And you're like, yeah, hey, not I'm praying
1: gonna... for you until you put it on. Yeah, I like that. I mean, because you're trying to,
0: like, break some of the stereotypes that people have that typically prevent yeah. them from connecting. You know what's
1: ironic about that is uh, I, I preached something similar to that one time at a, at a youth conference. Tons of kids got saved in this um this mom wrote me, and she was like, uh, "Like, thank you for your message. My son got saved. Um, however, the point you made about hats—hats uh, hats are reverent or irreverent—like she went on and on. Mm-hmm. So it's like w- she missed the tree. Yeah, in her forest yeah, yeah, of yeah, criticism, for sure. it's like, wait, wait, your son got saved though. That's, but you're mad at me about hats that didn't even apply to you, your son, or this context. Conversation. Yeah. And it's moments like that where you go, I'm, yep, I'm going, I'm going the right direction. You're going the right direction. Okay. So, your book,
0: it's kind of promoted by like Simon Schuster, I think yep. that's your people. And they, uh, you know, Carl's not your average looking pastor. Or something. Yeah. That gets, a lot of that gets kind of thrown
1: around. Yeah. And you, as I'm saying that, you seem uncomfortable. Well, it's the only thing I let them do. And mm-hmm. I feel like they wrote that bio. And I'm cool to play the game a little bit. Like if the object is to get the gospel and the message to people, um, they felt like that kind of description yeah. is more appealing to those who don't know. Um, but I, yeah, I, I don't think that's I don't I think we're changing the way that is. Like, what is a typical pastor now? Hopefully mm-hmm. they look like us a little bit, which is regular dudes. Like, who are you? Be that. That means you're a pastor. So yeah, the leather jacket, tattoos. It's like everybody has leather jackets. A lot of guys have tattoos. Yeah. So it, it's uncomfortable, but some of that stuff you gotta you gotta kind of play with and and make it work for you because it is what it is.
0: Do you do you get any? I think people get like, okay, that's part of. I assume that was not you. Like, hey, I'm gonna write this bio. Yeah. That just didn't seem like it's even in your voice. Do you get like other pastors? Like, hey, why are you gonna put me down? Why do you ever feel like other pastors are going? well, crap, I'm not cool enough. I guess I need to up my game?
1: I would hope not because if you're a pastor, you've already made the decision that you're going to be a leader in security. And there are pastors who are so insecure that they would take something like a book bio on the inside cover that the guy didn't write about himself as a personal slight. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I wouldn't give much you know, adherence to them, mm-hmm. but I'm sure they're there. But I think most guys are like, who cares? Like if you're running a church and you're worried about what, what I'm doing or what another pastor looks like, you're in the wrong business. Yeah,
0: or what they're, yeah. My first, I think my first encounter of you was a podcast you did with Relevant like five years ago. Yeah, yeah, And they asked the question like, oh man, your church is doing great. You must be awesome. What are you doing? And you diffuse that sort of mm. praise and you're like, no, there's a lot of churches that are doing great and mm. I, we don't, ex- I, I forget exactly your terminology, but my first thought was, I really admire how you diffuse the praise and we're really humble about that. And
1: so I. Yeah, I think it's, it's more of a, a self awareness of e- even that thought of your church is fruitful. Uh, relevance, the exception, because they're awesome. I think Tyler was the guy who I did that interview with many years ago, did another one with him recently. But outside of Tyler or an interview that I know, someone would be like, Your church is, is successful. And to which I'd say, No, you mean it's big that doesn't mean it's we are successful it's because Mm -hmm. we're faithful and we're kind and we're doing the gospel Mm -hmm. but it just happens to have numbers right now and i think i do think churches that are healthy should grow i don't think it's always going to be numerical i do think it should be a part of it i think there's a backlash in american church of people who haven't grown now creating a theology around their small church Mm -hmm. as if it's a disparagement if your church is growing i think that's sad um, but yeah, for us, we're just being faithful and this is what it looks like right now. Mm-hmm. And so we'll, we'll use that platform to point it back to Jesus all day long. What do you say to the church
0: members who are complaining because their pastor is not making their church grow? And they say, well, why don't you be like, you know, Joe and Carl and whoever else, because their churches are growing. What do you say to that church member, um, who's complaining to their pastor because pastor's not making their church grow?
1: I would, I would, uh, look less at the growth and look more at the teaching. So if a pastor's teaching what's right and he's planting the right seeds and he's being faithful to the call, God's what makes it grow. That pastor yeah. can't make a church grow. If he could, he would. Yeah. So that means God has a different plan. I always say you plant in soil that you trust, that is holy, that's righteous, and, and you choose that. So I would say if your pastor's doing the right thing and he's preaching the gospel and he loves Jesus, that's the most important thing. No. If there comes a season where you can see it in the in the pews in the in the in the congregation, so be it. But, um, I yeah, I don't have a lot of time for people who are criticizing their their pastors.
0: No, that's good. So look at the teaching. Okay, so the uh, I watched some of the media that you've done, yeah. And there seems to be like reoccurring like main thrust of the interaction is. Hey, you look cool. The church's teaching isn't cool, so do you really think what the church thinks, even though it's not cool? Mm-hmm. And it keeps like coming back. Okay, so yeah. you're a pastor, but do you really think what pastors think? Right. Why do you think that question keeps getting asked? Um, because people
1: can't figure out why they feel gravitated, why they feel like they gravitate towards our message, or how can people like y'all if you still believe this? Yeah. And it, it's a fun it's a fun place to sit because. You get to explain to people no, our views aren 't bad you 've had bad messengers, perhaps, but I can sit here and talk to you about heavy doctrine, but yet we still have commonality. What is that that 's Jesus like this disagreement doesn 't have to mean disconnection it no. definitely doesn 't have to mean disparagement, and I think so people are are surprised by that because they want me to be mean, they want you to be. Um, bigoted in your absolute truth, they want you to be you know someone who's isolating people, and when they don't get that, it's it's a new day.
0: Yeah, huh? So you, uh, I guess to whenever the Black Lives Matter yeah. stuff started, um, mm. was that a year and a half ago, year however long yeah, ago? yeah. I, I knew early on you were you were talking about, it, and I mm. really. Uh, admired your your willingness to speak into a, you know a really tough subject and I live in Texas mm. and I assumed in New York you're talking black lives matter yeah. it would be received different your mm. audience your congregation young diverse For sure. group yeah. and so I assumed it would be something that's well received it was the spirit of the majority of the congregation I read the book and I realized that's not the case at all no the most <laughs> vitriol you received in your ministry career was over the Black Lives Matter. Yeah, it
1: wasn't necessarily from our church. It was just sometimes when your church has a, <clears throat> a platform like God's given us, you, know, you hear it from all sides, for better or for worse. And that was the most—you know, it wasn't always from our own church, rarely. It's more—I was speaking okay. about the reaction from people in Texas or people who have no business even mm-hmm. worrying. Not Austin, about, other parts of you, Texas. Everywhere but Austin. <laughs> Um, just people who just have no business even worrying about it. But my Mm -hmm. thing was the fact that there was so much upheaval about such a simple concept. I was like, my gosh, I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep stoking that fire Yeah, because you're out of your mind if you think that we can't talk about this. And my, my principle has been right from day one. People were so, I guess, locomotive in their thinking that they couldn't even slow down and say, Hey, I'm just saying black lives matter. Uh, that's all calm down but the movement no one's talking about the movement number one you don't know about the movement number two i know more than you number three one of the founders is a part of our church who i know personally so whatever you've heard is probably 80 percent fake and number four um i can still say this sentence black lives matter just like jesus said blessed are the poor end of sentence okay they will be they will be blessed are the according to some christian logic it was like it was such a backlash where I thought you need to check the mirror. If you hear something that makes you react that strongly Mm -hmm. to something so simple.
0: Yeah. Do you ever feel like it's out of your place as a white, white guy talking about race?
1: No, I felt like it was, it was, it was my duty to talk about race. How so? Because I'm white because of the privilege my color has given me. Mm -hmm. I can only speak for myself. Uh, I feel like if I don't use that extra ground that I feel like I've been given, um, I feel like it's, it's unjust. Mm -hmm. So I feel like the way I speak about it has to be different because I am white, but to not speak on issues of race in our country is tragic Hmm. to me, my opinion. Why do you think we're not talking about that much? We church. People are afraid. Mm -hmm. They're afraid of, uh, backlash, opinions, fear of man, uh, not wanting to ruffle feathers, um, and also some churches are just so not diverse that they mm. don't care. Doesn't matter. Why talk about issues that do not affect anyone in here? Why talk about reaching the black community or the Hispanic community? If you and I both know none of us care. Yeah. So let's talk about this issue. Let's be social words, you know, in this area. Yeah. Right? And you know, churches gotta take their own inventory on that.
0: What do you think makes a lot of churches wanna be diverse? It doesn't always happen. It's not easy to happen. Yeah. What do you think it is
1: about y'all's church that has enabled diversity to be something that's experienced? Proximity to the, to the, the melting pot city. We're yeah. In. So I think if you're a white pastor, I think that you're going to have a natural white reach more than another ethnicity even. Yeah. But I don't think you have to settle for that. So if you're in Abilene, Texas, um, tell me what the racial makeup is. Tell me what the, you know, in, in, your church should look like your city. And, and then you should strive for more. That's my personal belief. So if I'm in an all-white city in rural Idaho, am I going to be bummed that we don't have a lot of non-white people? No, but at the same time, I'm going to be cognizant of it and make sure I still keep our people up to date with issues that do affect people of different races. But there's just no, there's no black people in this small town in Idaho. Does that mean they're racist? Of course it doesn't. It just means that's where they are at this time.
0: Yeah. When you... When you've been uh, vocal about Black Lives
1: Matter, what has been the response from people of color in your church? Uh, just really appreciative. Because? Uh, nobody's doing that in, in their minds. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard people just say, it's the fact that you care matters. And mm-hmm. the fact that you acknowledge our pain and struggle right now means the world. Uh-huh. And so it's worth it. It's worth it. A couple of weeks ago, one line
0: in a sermon about... Uh, uh, white people need to learn this from people of color because they've experienced uh, being similar to the Jews' position in the first century mm-hmm. more than the white people. A simple statement like that. I get an email from a visitor, uh, a black guy, Monday afternoon. Goes, I really appreciate you saying that. It's like, yeah. dude, I didn't say anything. Like, I said one sentence.
1: It's a very low bar of heroism when it comes to people speaking up. Yeah, that's that to me is more convicting. Like when I feel when I feel you know people that are not white say to me, thank you. I go, my gosh, like I barely, I barely did anything. This, yeah. is,
0: this is sad. Yeah. You said one line about mental health in your book. You referenced Brandon Marshall, yeah. Uh, yeah. NFL player, uh, who talked about it a couple of years ago. Yeah. And that's only one line, but I assume you're going to get some, maybe not to the same degree, but there's going to be some people go, oh, I appreciate you validating my experience. Like this is a yeah. real journey that some of us
1: experience. Yeah, it's already happened. Yeah. Have you guys talked about that? Yeah, I mean, we talk about vulnerability and transparency a lot as mm-hmm. Christians. I just just did a, a podcast called The Brilliant Idiots, which your podcast listeners should beware. It's extraordinarily explicit language. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, I just. Is that from you or the hosts? Me. Yeah. I curse all the time yeah. when I, when I, no, I'm kidding. Yeah. Um, but they were saying, one of the hosts was saying he appreciates about me that I don't come across like a certain way. And I said, well, the truth is we're Christians. The idea is to take the veneer off mm-hmm. and to take the, the, you know, the walls down. And I always take people to Paul's succession where early in his ministry, what did Paul say? I'm the least of all the apostles. Still kind of proud. There's only a couple of you. <laughs> and then he goes on La- later in his ministry. What does he say? I'm the least of all God's people. Ah, getting, more, getting more real. The end of his ministry, I'm the chief of all sinners. So the natural progression of Christianity should be less. I'm less, God's more. Hmm. Um, So for me, when it comes to um, mental health, diseases, healing, um, struggle, addiction, the more we talk about it, the more grace, the more power God has to work with it. So we always just say, your scar tells a story. What are you going to do with it? Yeah,
0: that's
1: good. Uh, So the... uh,
0: when was it? The View or something like that? You did an interview, yeah. and abortion came up. Yeah. And uh, afterwards, there was a you made a statement on Twitter. Yeah, or whatever, yeah, I had to. Felt like you had to. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what I'm you made a comment that maybe some people felt like it was an endorsement, like it was okay or something like yeah. that. Is that why you felt like you had to? Uh,
1: I only did. I only made a extra clarification. In no way did I apologize for what I did on the show. Um, just to re- be real clear. Mm-hmm. Um, I was asked, so I went into the show, you know, as prepared as I always am, ready to roll. Knew they'd ask me about gay marriage, abortion. It's all they have us on there for. And I was prepared. Why, why is that
0: all they have you on there for?
1: Well, they, those are the two hot button issues. And they, they know that that's a click. It's a viewer. It's, a, yeah. it's something. Okay. And, and, that, and if, the, if the host is a really liberal, godless, non-Christian, you know, they, they have an ax to grind. Yeah. So I knew that was the case, and I was told I'd have a little bit of time to say what I, I, initially what I wanted to do was point to Jesus being the center, which is always my goal. From Jesus, we get our views on politics. From Jesus, we get our view on abortion. From Jesus, we get our view. Um, I wasn't able to do that. So she asked me straight up, is abortion a sin in your church? And I went, ah, you know, to, to some people it would be. Um, and she's like is it a is it a black and white thing i'm like oh ultimately god's the judge like i re- i knew what she wanted the moment i yeah. said the answer which is yes abortion sin like who who in their right mind you know who 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 is losing if i don't say this right so yeah. the christians that are watching i'm i'm more worried about everybody else her the people in my church yeah. the conversation getting back to jesus if i say this direct answer um, I don't get a chance to point to Jesus in this way. Yeah. So I chose that way. I'll do it again. I'll do whatever I want to do. I'll do what <laughs> God tells me to do. Yeah. And I'm under no obligation to answer any question at any time. So the Christian watching at home is like, you're afraid. You're a coward. Well, number one, you're a coward because you would never say that to my face. Number two, the implication, my motive, you're judging. That's sin. Yeah. What if God told me to shut my mouth? What if God told me to answer it the way I did? Right. Yeah. So I had no issue with people disagreeing with my answer. I had big issues with people questioning my motives, which yeah, is wrong. I, agree. Uh, I, I had many, I, I could have said, sure, fair, fair enough. That's your opinion. I don't care. I hear you. I value who you are, but I don't, I'm not interested in what you think I should do on a show. So for me, it was cool. I, like, I got a lot of great feedback from that, a lot. And there's a, there's a vocal Christian crew that has really big opinions. Yeah, and they're, they're entitled to them.
0: I, I completely agree with your statement that it's okay to disagree with your answer, like how you sure. should. I, but to, to disagree with your motives and to impugn yeah. your motives, I feel like you're overstepping a, a line there. That's just they are. That's not charitable. That's not kind. That's not gracious. It's not wise. It's yeah, foolish. But, but it seems like one of the things that's important to you is not making a blanket statement and having a conversation instead
1: of like a soapbox. If we feel like that's the lane God's opening. Yeah. But in this particular case, what's ironic is that um, I was going to be clear on that one particular thing, especially abortion, because I do feel really strongly about it. And I wanted to talk about how the, the question for this woman, Joy, is not, is abortion sin? Because who makes up what sin is? Jesus. He's the mark. Therefore, if sin is missing the mark and you don't no. know Jesus, this is stupid. This is not logical. This is this is Christian apologetics one oh one decipher who you're talking to so for me to talk about sin which we don't agree on is stupid what's the bigger win we talk about jesus on national television yeah um but when it comes to the blanket statement thing i i'm in the middle of a city where we're in a life and death fight i'm cool with taking public shots Mm -hmm. of my motives my character my life while we're winning here like I can have a conversation. I can preach in my church. I can Let's talk about homosexuality. Let's talk about abortion. Let's talk about um, gay marriage in New York. If you get me in a soundbite, and then you run with this, and the news cycle takes this, then we're lumped in with every other minister nobody cares about, every other church that's now maligned forever. Mm-hmm. Maybe that day will come anyway, but I'm not going to let a media person dictate that. Yeah.
0: It seems that, would it be fair to say that you've spoken out against Trump, in
1: some degrees, or some of the stuff that Trump has said? I feel like I've spoken out against sometimes the state of our union. Uh, It looks like I'm talking about Trump, but uh, yeah, there have been times where I've spoken directly at uh, our president in a critical way. Maybe not Donald, the president, but the person, but some
0: of the statements that he's made. Absolutely. Comes across as hateful or whatever. Yeah.
1: How do you feel about jumping into the sort of like politics game? I feel like politics is about people. Mm-hmm. So we're in it, whether we want to be in it or not. And if politics keeps affecting the people that we love, we'll keep talking to it. We'll keep speaking to it, which is going to be forever. So the notion that we shouldn't do this is naive and silly. Jesus literally embodied the breakdown of a political system. Yep. Him walking into different spaces was a political move. You know what I'm saying? So yep. for me, it's, it's a... Uh, we're not we're not like overtly po- political, but we're we're Bible centered, gospel generated Christians, and mm-hmm. we're going to talk about stuff that matters. So if you got a president that's disparaging an entire race of people, I'm coming at you mm-hmm. all day long. Yeah, I, I think people seem
0: to only have like two lanes of politics. Well, you're either Democrat or Republican. Yeah, and I think like you're saying, Christianity has always been political in the bigger sense of the word political. Yeah. I mean, some have traced the word gospel, evangelion, to a political term in the you first get that century. It, the
1: MDiv thing? Oh yeah, okay. I okay. did.
0: Yeah, it. Uh, were, that's a word that Caesar would have been using when he had a military victory, or when the new Caesar was born. They would pronounce it the gospel.
1: Very funny when people do that. Are you gospel centered? What do you mean? Do you mean there's a sentence? You mean your definition of the word gospel? Okay, thanks for the clarity. Yeah,
0: yeah. Are you because a gospel it becomes church in Austin. Like TM, like it's like a trademark phrase. Like, are you in the cool club? Right. Because you're. Their definition of gospel, yeah, correct for sure. But what I'm trying to say, like it great. Is, it's great, yeah. it's always going to have a political aspect to it, and you speak into that. Um, for sure. Um, yeah. I don't know if this is mentioned in the book, but I know you talked about it online somewhere, so I don't feel like I'm getting like too personal here. It, but you had, you, had, you had a friend uh, that you got to know early on in your time in New York, mm. uh, drug overdose, passed away a couple years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. can I say his name? Yeah, Devin. Devin, okay, so you, you talked about. A friend who passed away from a drug overdose. Yeah. In the book, was that
1: texting to someone's mom? There's a different friend. Okay. Unfortunately, I've got uh, a couple friends I've oh, lost. Wow. Yeah. Is that m- something
0: that's more endemic of New York than other places? It might
1: be. A, it might be just a part of the way I was raised. So I just have known, and I know right now, guys that are. Um on that on that border on that borderline of life and death, so I think you can you can grow accustomed to knowing people like that, and I have so for me, if I look around my life and I don't know a guy who's on death's door, uh, I would pray that God would open up a door for me hmm. to know them. You yeah? just said a second ago that like you 're in a life and death
0: battle, yeah, does that influence like actually seeing people who are on the precipice of losing
1: an addiction, losing their life oh my gosh you, do you think I care about what some guy in some other state is writing about me. No. You know why? Because my, and that goes for anything. I'm not saying that we get, you know, all these horrible things written, but my point is, like, when, when you understand the struggle and how good the gospel is and what can happen if someone gets it in their, in their soul, mm. yeah. really, it really drives your life. Urgency. It's why I read to our church, James one, twenty seven that real religion is the widow and the orphan. Mm. I, I, I wish I could have seen what sparked that because for him to say real religion means that somebody was displaying fake religion yeah. and God comes back with oh, real religions. This to me, that's kind of my ministry um, motor is making sure that I'm doing. Yeah. So I'll, I'll go, I'll text some, a friend after this and say, hey, you good. You know, what's going on today? How you feeling? Hmm. And that brings you right back to what church is about, what the gospel is about. So he, Obviously, you're
0: promoting a book that just came out, doing the mm-hmm. speaking stuff. How does that uh, like
1: get you off course of like the text and the friend who's struggling and the local ministry? Doesn't at all. Really? Nah. I mean, it's just a part of my life. I don't think this book really hasn't changed anything. You know, I have a book out, but it's just a story of our journey so far. It's about life. It's about the gospel. Get it? Don't get it? Whatever. We're gonna keep doing what we're doing. So I think if something's a blessing. It shouldn't become a burden mm-hmm. on what was giving you, you know, fuel in the first place. So for me, it hadn't been uh, any change whatsoever. I'll still do the same thing I'm doing.
0: Yeah, preaching. Did you preach yesterday or what's today? What we do yesterday? Tuesday. yesterday Preach on Sunday. Did you preach on Sunday?
1: Uh, preached all day on Sunday. I had one interview thing I did yesterday, and then I went, picked up my son from school early. And we went bowling. Mm-hmm. Just How'd you do with that? I'm a good bowler. Really? He's a good bowler. And then I took him home, and then I went to um, LA Fitness and uh, got my eye busted open. That's That, nice. was, that was my Monday. It so took you... me forever to get the... Uh, no, yesterday was Tuesday. Sure. Yeah. Monday, yeah, Tuesday I had our staff met with a couple of my key team, um, did a couple interviews, and then went and got my son out of school, went bowling. And then the eye you guy. know i uh, I met my wife in bowling class in college, really so i've always had a soft spot for for bowling i, I couldn't figure out the the bowl like it's so easy to bowl i'm like how how's this a league because i if I did it more i I would get a strike every time I have to believe that you think so, yeah, because the only time I didn't it would be because I'm like I know exactly what I did wrong release it's it's because unlike basketball, there's like not a ton of variables. There's not right. other people involved. That's what I'm saying. So technically, we should all be good bowlers. Like if you release the ball here and it hits that dot there, it's going to go there.
0: Yeah. Let me ask you a question. Would you be more up to getting bowling shoes in the bag, and the shirt, or getting the Alabama fan haircut?
1: Bowling, you- bowling, bowling. All all day. All day. God make that work. I can't make the Alabama thing work. Mm-hmm. Like that's always going to be what it is. But if I bowl, I could button it up. Mm-hmm. I could untie. One of the laces could you make could. that cool, yeah. But an Alabama football haircut—you can't do anything with that. Nothing. It's the bangs. It's that thing they do, yeah. With the bangs, and they've and got like the polo the plaid. shirt, yeah, and, and the khakis, khaki and shorts, the and yeah. the loafers, the loafers, yeah. Which is cool if that's your thing. It's just not but that's my thing. How?
0: If one person said, "I will get saved on Sunday if you dress like that,"
1: that person is not going to go to heaven.
0: So they're doing it.
1: There's a line to my passion for the gospel. Mm-hmm. And That's it. It's a crimson line.
0: It's a crimson. I see what you Not there. for
1: the blood of Jesus, but for the Nick Sabans among us.
0: That's understandable. Okay, what's the biggest misconception people have of oh, me? Yeah, Carl. Do you go? I feel like the Australian pronunciation of your name is Cal. Cal. Cal.
1: Uh The biggest misconception. I don't know what it would be. I don't hmm. know because I, I don't really get that much um, mm-hmm. from my. Maybe from my. Own personal investigation and in, in talking to people, um, I don't know. Maybe that I'm loud, that I talk a lot. Some some rumors are that those glasses are not prescription; they're fake. Let's put it to bed. I try them on. Podcast listeners, he's trying them on. I've, yeah, that hurts yeah, my head. I've got really they seem mm-hmm. worn glasses since I was a little boy.
0: Okay. When uh, w- the, be- the book starts off by you saying you're intentional to write this book yourself, mm-hmm. I- obviously. A- copy editors and all that
1: stuff yeah. but it's not like you don't have a ghost writer nope. because why was that important to you i just couldn't do it I, I tried i let him have a a shot at one of the chapters sean manning who's uh the guy who helped me with the copy editing and all that mm-hmm. um but i just felt like i wanted to do this myself mm-hmm. I Wanted to be my voice mom better for worse
0: yeah okay so this is your city it's New York uh, obviously the big news it's God's
1: city I'm kidding like I yeah. get all weird like I, d- I don't want New York I mean you can have it like I'm, I'm Texan I think you know, people say that's all God this is God's city it's like we know it's God's I don't have to clarify that yeah yeah. I get that hey great, great sermon pastor it was all God I always say don't don't bring Don't, God down to your gutter, okay? I, it was a lot of you, and God blessed it. I've heard Stop some people,
0: it. one person said that, and the, the parishioner responded by saying, it wasn't that good. Yeah. It's not all God. It's all God.
1: God. No, 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 no. It's
0: not all God, okay? Mm-hmm. He barely showed up okay. for you. But this New York, it's the big city of dream. The city of dreams. Uh, Eli Manning's in kind of in a bad, bad yeah. dream right now, kind
1: of a nightmare. Yeah. What's your word of encouragement for him? Good for Eli, because what's worse? Getting benched and going to sign for probably $40 million next year with Jacksonville or playing on a dead-end team that can't make the playoffs with a banged-up offensive line with your entire receiving corpse four miles away in the hospital. I like to just call them corpse because yeah. they're, not, they're not there anymore. Hmm. I, well, I went to see Brandon, and uh, Odell was in there. You got to pray for them both. It was very funny. And then Shep was in the room down the road. So at one point, we had all three of our starting receivers in the same wing of the hospital. Wow. Yep. That's
0: not, that's not good.
1: No, I mean, not I'm, I'm a Cowboys fan, and we're not doing much better this year. You guys haven't done well for a long time.
0: I feel like that was a little insensitive. Well, let's go harsh. A little though.
1: I mean, I mean, maybe well. I'm only using, like, Super Bowl as well. Well, I mean, so we have more. Total. Were you alive for one of them? Three of them. Were you? Yeah. Oh, Emmett and Troy. The Triplets. In, okay, my fault. Yeah. Are I you, like the Cowboys. Are you a Giants fan? No. Okay. I'm a, I'm a Giants fan because of um, Devon Kenner, our middle linebacker, Mark Hurts, our middle linebacker, uh, DRC, wide receiver. Anybody that goes to our church, I immediately love their team. Really? Josh McCown, uh, a couple different uh, Jets. Like, I even love the Browns. Oof. Yeah. So my whole sports thing has shifted due to. Like, now I love Abilene. Anything yeah. to do, because I'm thinking of you. Thank you. Abilene Christian. Abilene, shout out to Abilene Christian.
0: Yeah, go walk. We got a few guys in the league. We've had a few.
1: Yeah, I saw a couple of Abilene Christian alums at a Black Lives Matter rally. Yeah. No.
0: No? <laughs> come on. Come on now. I had a friend whose husband played for the Giants, and I was like, hey. Uh, Ross? Aaron Ross? Sonia? Yeah. Yeah. And so Aaron I told Ross Sonia. Is a G. Yeah, he's he's a good dude. <coughs> uh, and at the first time I met I was like, I'm, I'm not going to like your husband, right. and he walks in and he goes, "Dude, you lift, don't you?" I'm like, "Crap, I can't not like you. Yeah. You're just a nice dude."
1: These things, of course, I lift.
0: Yeah. yeah. So anyway, I, I mean, I don't hate all giants, but he's retired, so I guess we're cool. He's done, yeah. with that. Anyway, uh, Carl, thanks for the time. Thank you for doing what you do. Uh, these things matter a lot. And, yeah, uh, it's a pleasure to meet you. Well, I hate that people aren't going to see that face thing. We're,
1: Maybe we'll get a take picture. a photo. We'll get a and picture when you post this. We'll tag say, it with that. The real story here. Take it there it is
0: yeah that's that's real nice alright well done thanks for checking out Newsworthy with Norsworthy make sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes you are now
1: adjourned